Hello? Hello, Lori. Hi. I, I don't know what happened there. My phone messed up really bad. Mine does the same thing. Got, we, we live kind of in a field, like a big area. So I don't know if it's uh, where we're at. I have terrible phone service. Oh, that's the way mine is. If I'm inside the house, I usually don't get a good signal. Yeah, that's how it is here, too. <laughs> okay, here's what I how I want to start the show tonight. I'm going to just give a little intro, and I'm going to thank some people, and then I'm going to basically give a little bio on you, and then I'm going to turn the mic over to you, and you can tell us your story. Okay, and you just want, I mean... You can start, uh, you start at the beginning, tell us what happened, uh, where where you were incarcerated, what year you got arrested, um, okay. you know, and take it from there. All right. And you can stop, you can stop, you know, if you got questions for me, or if I have questions for you, I might interrupt you. Okay. Um, but it's pretty simple, It's it's not very difficult. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and begin. All right. Welcome to another episode of More Than Just a Number, A Woman's Journey Through Incarceration. I want to take a moment and thank you for tuning in. I also want to give a shout out to my mentor and very dear friend, Mr. Larry Williams. His friendship and guidance put me on this path of self-discovery and has inspired me to help women tell their story of incarceration. His podcast, Cheer Talk can be heard on Spotify. He has been fighting the injustice our loved ones have had to endure a lot longer than I have. Please tune in to Spotify and listen to his latest episode of Cheer Talk. Today, I want to welcome our guest, Lori, from Cleves, Ohio. Lori was arrested in 2009 for something that occurred at her home when she wasn't even there. She was charged and convicted of attempted robbery and battery by means of bodily harm. And for this, she received a 20-year sentence. Can you believe that? Good evening, Lori. Hello. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm a 53-year-old mother of four grandchildren, eight grandchildren, and um, just trying to make it day to day. Well, good. Could you tell us... Um, what you were arrested for and where you were incarcerated at? Yes. Um, I got arrested in Dearborn County. Um, I was arrested for armed robbery and battery by means of bodily harm. Um, it was my apartment, but I wasn't there when it happened. So um, the Cops came and was asking me questions about it, and I didn't know what, I didn't know what they were talking about. Well, I found out from my son what had happened, and they arrested my son and the girl that was staying at my house. And how well, old was uh, your son? He was eighteen. He had just turned eighteen. Okay. And um, then they came back and arrested me. And I'm like, okay, for what? This, I wasn't even here when this happened. Well, and then they read off all, it was like eight charges, seven or eight charges they were trying to put on me, saying that I was a mastermind behind uh, trying to, I guess, rob someone, um, which there was no money ever. 
I didn't hear anything about money from these guys that anything's taken or stolen from them. Wow. So, yeah, there was no proof of that, and I didn't know anything that was really going on. So they just came and arrested me and started telling me I I knew what was going on. I had put this whole thing together. And I'm looking at them like they're crazy, but they they were dead set that I was the mastermind behind a, I guess, uh, a robbery in my house. That's unbelievable. It's true. <laughs> oh, I believe you. So how did things go? I mean, did you go to trial? Yeah, try- I... Um, I'm sorry. I sat in Dearborn County for 11 months um, trying to get my attorney, which was a public defender because I couldn't afford an attorney, and my son also had a public defender. Um, They kept coming with this uh, 20-year sentence, and I said, no, I'm not signing that, you know, and the second time the my... Attorney came, and I said, no, I'm not signing it. And she said, well, I'll tell you what. They're not going to come down any more than what you have. So you just need to sign it and go on. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I know nothing about the law. So, and of course, my son at 18 years old knew nothing about the law either. So we take these plea deals that we didn't know what was going on. And um, next, um, they read my son out to prison a month before they did me. So I was there for almost a year, and then I went to Rockville, and that's where you are in basically intake until they they decide if you're going to go to a different prison or stay there. Right. So I ended up staying there, uh, unfortunately. Yes. Um, Actually, spent four years at Rockville. Um, I was petrified when I drove up and seen the gates and the big, huge place that it is. I, you know, but I tried to keep my my composure, I guess, so I didn't look like I was afraid, but I was. Um, and no one can blame you for that, sweetie. So then we go into a room where they um, give us uh, some different clothes to change into and like a little bag of you know, hygiene, toothpaste, and stuff like that. And then they send you to the um, intake building. And then um, that's where where you stay. And then um, that's where I stayed. And I ended up staying at Rockville. So that was not good because I'm from Ohio. <laughs> and it was real hard on my family. I can imagine. Yeah, it, it was it was tough. I lost my niece at 18 while I was incarcerated, my aunt, my uncle within a year of each other, and then my mom eight months before I got out. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I couldn't go to any of their funerals or any of that because I was from another state. So, I, but yeah, I um, that. um, I. I didn't really hang out with people, I guess you could say, because it was like I called it kind of at that time clicks, not exactly gangs, but it was not sort of like everybody had their own little group. Right. So um, I just kind of started talking to my bookie, kind of hanging out with her. Um, I got a, a job in the kitchen. Um, that's when I started to begin to find out 
things about the places. Um, the foods, the diets, stuff like that for pregnant ladies, uh, people that have liver problems. They're, they're supposed to be like different kinds of diets for people there. And yes. that's the way that they're – well, they don't get it. That's, yes, my, my daughter is one of those people. Well, I'm telling you, they do not get it. If they can say that they give it to them all they want, but I firsthand seen they did not get no extra anything or nothing, but, yeah, they were supposed to. Okay. That's that's kind of sad. Yeah, that's it's terrible. It is. The, the medical is just uh, – the place itself is awful enough. I mean, it really is. It's a scary enough place to be, and it's awful, but – the, they make it even harder than it has to be because you can't get the proper things you need. Like women, we were only allowed to have so much toilet paper, so many pads, you know, and you can't control what kind of a period you're going to have. No, you can't. Um, while I was there, in the four years I was there, we didn't have water two times and electric twice. So, and we went without that. And they locked us in these big, rooms and because uh, it's big like I don't know it's like a big um, fenced in cage you're in a big cage you have to come up and unlock to let you out so when you're locked in and you need to use the bathroom it's very rarely that you're going to get to go or get food and or water so I experienced a few times of that um just things the place itself it's just like if it was this bad back when i was there i can only imagine it's not gotten any better from stories i've heard of women have just gotten out it's just getting worse yes my daughter she she feeds me a little bit of information now and again and i so i tuned into youtube the other night and i watched a video about rockville yeah and they present Rockville as being very clean, very orderly, um, that everything is just hunky-dory. But I know better. Yeah. Um, is there any corruption that you were aware of during that time? There was a lot of corruption going on while I was there. Um I'm trying to think of what you just, what did you just say right before the corruption? Oh, I was talking about the, the YouTube video I had watched about how they made everything seem like everything was and it was all oh. hunky-dory. Yes, okay, that's the part I missed. My phone or yours is cutting in and out, I'm sorry. Uh, they do and they let you know ahead of time, so they fix it up. If if you understand what I'm saying, it's like a, I do. all staged to be that yeah. way. <clears throat> but, yeah, there's guards letting things happen. There's things happening with the inmates and the guards. I mean, it's so much going on inside of there. It's it's crazy. It really is. It's crazy. Uh, I seen girl while I was there being beat with a, two locks and a sock. I see them put the crazy people in with the sane people, and that cause they put everyone together 
There's no kind of a psych ward or anything. So you get women that need to be in a place like that, and they need that medication. They will not give you the medication you're supposed to have. They don't care if you've been on it for 25 years. You're not getting it when you go there. Oh, wow. If anything is wrong with you, they give you a little pack of salves, a Band-Aid, and charge your account $10. And I'm, that's not me exaggerating. They well, I, nothing. I do know that my daughter has been on steroids for her, for her entire time at Rockville. And um, every time she gets a packet of steroids, they charge her account $15. So oh. I know the prices went up on the medicine. It's terrible. It is terrible. And it's harder for the people in there that don't get money. And you're living on um, the money that you make from working there, whatever you're doing. Yeah. So pretty much you're just working to pay them back for in, any doctor visit or ear, eye, whatever. So as soon as your accountant gets the money, they take it right away. Do you know if you got any of your money that you worked for? Yeah, there there was times where I thought they took a little more than they were supposed to, but I did end up getting money, but they always made sure they got theirs first. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, in the past couple of months, I found out just the other day that Rockville had a profit of $18 billion last year alone. Now, what are they doing with it? Yes, that's my question. And another thing is, if you, when you go there, I'll tell you this, is it's the awfulest thing I've ever seen in my life. It doesn't matter what you say to them, nothing. If you come in, you, they have your doctor's report of saying you have this and this is wrong with you. They will put an 80-year-old woman with rheumatoid arthritis having seizures on the top bunk. They do not oh, care. And that is against the law. And I've watched them. I so many girls I've seen having seizures. It was ridiculous. This is when I first got there, and I thought, oh, my God, they're doing nothing. Like, they, the guards would just stand there and watch them until if one of the nurses decided to come down. <laughs> it, was, I, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen. You're not allowed to touch them. We can't help because it's a no-touch facility. Yes. So we're not even allowed to do anything. Yes, my, my daughter is a nurse when she got arrested. And um, here a few months ago, a young girl who only had half a lung, <clears throat> excuse me, went into a seizure. And she called for a guard, and the guard just came in and watched the girl have a seizure. Yeah, that's true. And, and with my daughter being a nurse, it's instilled in her to go to someone who needs aid. And she attempted to go to this girl, and the guard took her by the arm, and he said, no. He said, this is no touch. You can't help her. So and that means that they can't either, right? Apparently. Um, that's what I don't understand. <laughs> and I'm the same because I, my oldest daughter has epilepsy. So I was the same way when I first seen it. I wanted to go, and one of the other girls were like, 
no, you can get in trouble. And I was like, get in trouble for trying to help this lady? It's crazy. They're, they're, they, you might as well say they don't have a medical there because they don't take care of anything. I've, I've watched women die while I was there just from medical neglect. They won't do anything for them. And if you don't have someone calling down there on their ass all of the time, I mean, you really have to be making noise for them to do anything. And and see, that is where the prison reform system is broken. And the reason behind my podcast is to get your stories told so that I can compile them into a book and get the book published and get it to the people in charge of making the decisions. And that's about, awesome. About prison reform. And without it wouldn't be possible. So from the bottom of my for telling us your story. Oh, you're welcome. But, you know, any piece of evidence or information that you can give me will help towards toward getting some reform done like you said the classification system is all messed up it definitely is yes the youtube video i watched the other night there was a man guard was he was asked would you put a person who had committed check fraud in with a murderer and he said yes we would yeah and they do and they and, do, and and you expect that to be okay? It, it's not okay. Their their classification systems are so screwed up. They are. They really are. And that's what I'm saying. You'll have a dorm of pretty, you know, a pretty relaxed dorm, you could say. They're, the dorm four in Rockville, they used to call the geriatric dorm. And that was like because it was where they kept the older people. Yes. But that it ended up being so overwhelmed with people that that went away. So they had you know, everybody all mixed in together. So you had people that could barely walk and in wheelchairs and with people that were like out of their mind crazy schizophrenic or something, not getting the medicine. And then you put someone in there like like me. I'm saying that's how it is. Wow. And I'm not no angel. I don't claim to be, but I sure did not deserve what I went through. I, I didn't. And so many other women don't deserve it as well. Now, just no, because you make a mistake or you did something wrong or whatever the case, I mean, I'm not condoning murder by any means, but I'm talking about people who haven't committed crimes like that. You right. get treated equally there they don't care who you are you're all treated the same like a dog like we are not even human while you were there did you complete any programs to help shorten your time i got to get into um it was called phases and um it was called phases p-h-e-a-s i think phases okay phases yeah like three phases of at the time, I think it was three or four we had to get through. I can't remember. But anyhow, I got into the first one and completed it and got a 30-day time cut. So the next one was supposed to be a 60-day time cut, 
but we lost our teacher, and this is another thing that happened there that was really bad. I ended up doing four years out of a five-year sentence because I couldn't get into a time cut. They couldn't keep teachers. They just could not keep them. So it wasn't that they didn't have, you know, they did have time things that you could get in, but they had nobody that would stay because no one wanted to deal with it. Well, how how is that your fault? I mean, it's you, not. You should have still gotten your time cut. Exactly. But I, they shut the program down, and they said to us, they called us over individually and told us each that you know as soon as it's back up and running. But we did get the first time cut, you know, from the first one. That we'll be the first ones in and all this. It was like three months before it. But here was the kick, kicker to the story, too. If you had an option, you could wait until they got a teacher and they had no clue. Or you could remove yourself and wait six more months to get into another time cut. So oh. you were kind of screwed. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'll just wait for the teacher, hoping that it would be before six months. It was about three. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got to get into two time cuts out of five years. And that's not much. No, and don't think I wasn't trying because I was trying to get in anything I could. Yeah, my daughter has been there about a little over two years now, and she has completed every program that they have. How she got she, – she, she says herself – she is floored by the fact that she was able to programs and complete them in that amount of time. Yeah. And she said, Mom, I've done more <coughs> programs than anyone else in the facility. And she said, there's nothing left for me to learn. And she said, so what am I supposed to do for the next 17 years? Oh, Lord. I can't even imagine. Yes. I really can't. But, yeah. you know, I've been told quite quite a few horror stories, and a lot of them have to do with the guards yeah. and and the food, especially the food. The food, I know from being a cook, is horrible. It says on the boxes, not for human consumption. How is that so to feed that human being? Exactly. You know, and my words on that is, you're a human being, so why do you like an animal? You deserve more than that. You may have done, not you personally, but a prisoner may have done wrong and made a mistake and ended up in prison. But they still deserve to be treated like a human being. I agree. I really do. I agree. And that's why I have gotten into advocacy. And it's about time. It's about time somebody did because I remember back at, when I was at Rocco and all the girls saying, when I get out of here, I'm going to make some noise, I, you know, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And for so long, no one did. So when I finally seen the page come up and people starting to get serious, that's when I was like, you know, they just may have a chance. I'm There's a lot of us out here working for all of you even the ones who are already out and are square with the system again. Um, Because I believe that the pay that you received while you were inside 
was not sufficient for the duties you had to perform. No, absolutely not. And I know, I think it's called Televerde. Yeah, Televerde. They actually get a decent wage. Yeah, they were just putting that together when I was getting out. Yes, they actually receive a decent wage, and they usually have money when they get released. That's nice. But most women don't. They come out of there with the clothes, and that's it. Yeah. And I hope to be able to change that. I hope so, too. I really do. Yeah. I've only done, this is my second episode of more than just a number. But with my first episode, I went international. And my first podcast was heard in 27 different countries, 16 states, and D.C. So, yes, and the reason I wanted you to be my first live podcast was because I knew you had a a great story to tell. Yeah. Um, from what you had sent me in our text messages going back, she's the perfect first episode. And what you've given me today has solidified that in my mind, that I am very grateful that I was able to get you to give us your story. Well, I'm very grateful that you're getting it out there. I really am. Well, at some point um, in the future, I'd like to stay in touch and do another interview with you, a follow-up, and see how things are going and to let you know what we've got accomplished since we've talked. All right. And... um, if something changes, you know, between our phone numbers, um, we can always get a hold of each other through our text messaging. All right. Because I'll constantly stay on Facebook because of this reason. Right. Um, but before we end the call, I want to ask if you have anything that you would like to tell other women who are in the I'm sorry, you cut out right at the end. Is there anything that you would like to tell women who are in your position or the position that you were in back when you were arrested? Any advice? You know, don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, don't do it. Don't stay away from all the bad people that you can. But I mean, honestly, if you have, uh, if you make that mistake, oh. At least you 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 know what you're walking into. You have a better idea of what you're walking into than other people. Because I wasn't. When I got arrested, like I said, and went to prison, I had no idea. Of what I, it's very overwhelming when you pull up to a prison. And so what I want to say is just don't be overwhelmed. You know, if if you have to go, and um, just take one day at a time. Stay strong. That's wonderful advice, and I thank you so much, Lori. Thank you. Well, I'm going to let you go for now, and but I want to thank you once again. And before you leave, I want to leave you with a blessing. All right. And this is a blessing that I think that God gave to me and who have been incarcerated. 
It's may God give you peace and give you light in your darkest of hours. Mm-hmm. So Thank when you. you so when you get to feeling down and depressed, I want you to remember that blessing. Because if you rely upon God, God will show you the light at the end of the tunnel. And yes, he, will, he does. And he will show you the way out. Yes, he will. I do believe that. That's the, that, that's why I'm standing here today. That's and why I'm, I'm standing here so, today. I am so happy to hear you say that. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, Lori, for being on women more than just a number, a woman's journey through incarceration. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, hon. Bye-bye. I hope that you will tune in next time for my next episode where I will be hosting Felicia from Frankfurt, Indiana. May you have a blessed day and God bless. Thank you for listening. God bless.